Hey everyone, this is Matt with the second pod of our new series on happiness habits. If you missed the previous pod, go check that one out as it sets up the series. Last message, we looked at the first habit of happiness in relationships, which is to be grateful for the people in your life. So even when things go bad, you need to remain grateful. And remember, our first happiness hint was to remember the best and forget the rest. So let's jump into the second habit of happiness in relationships, which is I need not only be grateful for the people in my life, I also need to pray with joy for the people in my life. Paul in verse 3 of Philippians 1 says, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. I always pray for you. I make my request with a heart full of joy because you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Now, how would you like to have the Apostle Paul praying for you? You think that would help? The guy who wrote much of the New Testament? Don't you know those Philippians thought, man, that's pretty cool. Paul's praying for us. Doesn't he encourage you to know when someone's praying for you? Of course. It encourages us. I want you to think of somebody who irritates you. Now, don't look at them if they're next to you. (laughs) Just think of them. I have two questions for you. One, do you pray for them? Or do you just complain and grumble, nag and nitpick? If you'd pray more for them, you'd have a lot less to grumble, complain, nag and nitpick about. Now, does nagging work? No. Does prayer work? Yes. So why do you more the thing that doesn't work than the thing that does? There are things in people's lives around you you'd like to change, right? You don't want to change yourself. You want them to change. And if we would just do this, if you would just do that, we always want to change other people. But you can't. But you can pray. And God can change people. See, positive praying is more effective than positive thinking. People read all these books about positive thinking, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'd rather have you think positively than negatively. But all the positive thinking in the world isn't going to change your husband or your wife or your child or your friend or your situation. So here's another happiness hint. The quickest way to change a bad relationship into a good one is praying for them. It will change you and them. But what do you pray? Philippians 1, 9 through 11 says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, what's he saying? He gives us four things that you can pray. Pray these for any relationship you want to improve. Pray these for your kids, for your friends, for your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, boss, for me, anybody you care about. First, pray they grow in love. Okay. Second, pray that they will make wise choices. Third, Pray they will live with integrity. And fourth, pray they will become like Jesus. These four things you can pray for them any day of the week. And you can even pray for these for yourselves, for your spouse. And you can know they're going to be answered. We always wonder what God's will is, but we know this is God's will because it's in the Bible. This is not just a prayer if it's your will, God. No, we know it's God's will because it's in the Word. So you know God wants to answer that prayer. So when you pray it, it's going to get answered. And it's going to be God's will. So the first thing you do, be grateful for the people in my life. And secondly, pray and actually pray joyfully. Not with complaining, not with criticism of 
Like, oh, God, why can't you get this man of mine in shape? No, no, no. <laughs> That's not praying joyfully. That's praying whinily, crankily. <laughs> Are these words? <laughs> or, no, you got to pray joyfully. So the third happiness, habit of happiness in relationships is expect the best from people in your life. Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's one of my favorite verses, knowing that God doesn't give up on us no matter what, and that what he started, he carries out. And that's really important, especially for my life and my experiences. See, Paul is a pro at bringing out the best in people. How does he does it? He does it in three ways. First, he believes in them. No. Look at your relationships. Do you give the people in your life confidence or do you tear them down? Do you build them up or tear them down? Do you give people in your life confidence? This is so important. When I was 15, there's a man in my life, Pastor George Nichols. And he wanted me to do this sermon competition thing. And he believed in me. He said, Matt, I can see you being a minister and a preacher. And I can see you being great at it. And he started to talk me up. And I was like, this guy's nuts. What does he see? Let me tell you, I am not what he says I am. But he gave me so much confidence and believe I, I did it. Now he hounded me over, but he never said a discouraging word. He always encouraged me. He always believed that I could be better than ever thought possible. Paul says, I believe in people. I give them confidence. I have them grow. I'm confident of what God has started in your life. He's going to continue to do. We all need people to believe in us. It's how we change. See, you can't change unless someone believes in you and you believe in yourself. Acceptance always precedes transformation. That's why it's better to say, don't tell it like it is. Tell it like it could be. Tell where they could be in their life, in their relationship. And this is what you could be with God's power in your life. And then they get excited. Paul says, I'm confident. I believe in you. And the second way. He paints a picture of the future for them. Study after study shows that we tend to live up to the expectations of the people. When people expect the best of us, you tend to perform better. When teachers expect the best of their students, they get better grades. Pastor George Nichols did that for me. Instead of my parents, who said I would never amount to anything, which I heard every day of my life, on Sundays when I went to church, Pastor said the exact opposite. Now we tend to become what we believe the most important people in our lives think about us. So Paul says, I expect the best from people. I believe in people and I give people vision. Third way to bring out the best in people is to be patient with their progress. See, if you insist in perfection in people, you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life because there's nobody perfect, especially you, especially me. And if you're always expecting perfection in people before you can enjoy them, then you're never going to be happy because nobody's perfect. I mean, if you expect perfection from your kids, you will never be happy. Yesterday, my wife, like she was going to take a shower and the kid's bathroom has been redone. So she likes to shower in there. It's really nice. And, and she goes in there and the place is littered with cosmetics and makeup and hair products and you name it. Now, that's what happens when you have three teenagers, two of them being girls, they made a mess. And she's just like, oh, 
and it, and it's frustrating because you know and I'm thinking, well, at least they're using stuff. I see my son's contacts. He used to, last year, he wouldn't even wear them to school some days because he was too lazy to put them in. Then he couldn't see. But now I see he's using them, but, you know, the he uses dailies, and so does my oldest daughter. And yet the packaging is still on the countertop instead of putting it in the trash. They don't put things away. But you know what? That's part of growing up. One of the hardest things to learn is once they learn how to do something, then they have to learn how to clean up after themselves, right? My kids have just started to learn how to cook. They haven't learned how to clean yet or put things away. You got to be patient with their progress. It's, it's frustrating when you look at it. If you are never patient with someone's progress, you will never enjoy life because they will never reach the standard of where you want them to be because the standard will keep getting greater and greater. Before, like, if I look back at my relationship with my kids, they started, they couldn't do anything. You know, we had to feed them. I had to change their diaper. And then eventually they learned how to feed themselves. They learned how to use a fork and a spoon and a knife. Well, maybe not the knife right away. They learned how to go to the bathroom. Oh, that was a beautiful day when that happened. And they grow and they grow. But now... Being teenagers, they, oh, it's frustrating because they become so able to do a lot of things that you expect them to do everything and they just aren't there yet. So you got to be patient with your, with their progress or else you're going to be miserable and you're going to hate it. And being miserable as a parent with a teenager is tough. You got to be patient with their progress. That's something I preach to myself every day. Third happiness, and if you really want to be happy in your relationship, you want to have happier relationships, healthier relationships, celebrate how far people have come rather than judging them for how much they still have to go. you got to be patient with people's progress. That's so important. I'm going to repeat it again. Celebrate how far people have come rather than judging them for how much more they still have to go. God doesn't wait until you're mature to start loving you. So you shouldn't do that with others. You got to love them. Ugliness and all. You got to be patient with their progress. And the key to that patience is love. Verse 7 of Philippians 1 says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in change or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. You know what I've discovered throughout the years? If people aren't on my heart, you know where they are? They're on my nerves. <laughs> so many of the relationship problems that you have over and over and over is because we all tend to react with our head and not with our heart. When people say you just don't understand, they're not really talking about understanding. What they're really saying is you don't feel my pain. You don't feel what I'm feeling. It has nothing to do with understanding. It has everything to do with empathy. You're not sympathetic. You're not empathetic. You don't care. You're not feeling my feelings. And when they say you don't understand, we try to logic it out. It's not logic. It's feelings. And they never make sense. When Paul says, I have you in my heart, loving them from the heart begins with understanding. And it means you know why they tick and you know how they tick. And you don't judge them for ticking that way. You just listen and accept. And you listen. You understand moods and you respond accordingly. I've learned one thing about my wife over the years. That has never changed since the day I met her. That is this. 
I can never expect to have a conversation with her first thing in the morning. She needs time. She needs coffee. And then she needs more time. Because she is not a morning person. While I am up and raring to go, she is out of it most of the morning. So don't judge people for the way they tick, for the way they are. Expect the best from the people in your life. And our fourth happiness habit in relationships is I must love people the way in my life that Jesus does. Now, it's easy for me to say this. It's incredibly hard to do it because you're not Jesus. We tend to be self-centered. We tend to look at our own needs and all of the things that have happened in our lives. Philippians 1.8 says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul started the church in Philippi. He has deep love for the people that come from him, beginning something amazing with them as one of them. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now that 1 John 3.16 always reminds me of John 3.16, which is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And all we have to do is believe in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, and all of our sins are forgiven. Our relationship is restored, and we'll spend eternity with him forever. That's the way to salvation. It's the way to have your past forgiven, a purpose for living, and a home in heaven. God says, I sent my son. That's how much I love you. And we're all grateful for God's love for us. We're all grateful for John 3.16. But in life, we tend to ignore 1 John 3.16 that says, and this is real love. God gave his life for us. He gave his son for us. And we must do the same thing. If we would do that, we wouldn't have any relationship problems because we wouldn't be thinking about ourselves. We'd be thinking about other people first. And that's a problem with relationships today. We don't apply the relationship we have with Jesus to our other relationships around us. People who know and believe wholeheartedly in John 3.16 ignore 1 John 3.16. I just want to ask you to do a little personal evaluation. Which of these four habits do you need to work on? Is it who do you need to be grateful for? Who in your life have you taken for granted? Who have you failed to appreciate? Who have you, because of your faults, their faults or flaws, you're not grateful for them? You see, that's the first habit of happiness. Be grateful for the people. And second, are you praying for the people in your life? And are you praying with joy or are you praying with complaining? God, fix that person. Fix them now. Are you praying with joy? Make a prayer list. Write down some names. Pray the following things that Paul prayed, that they grow in love, that they make wise choices, that they live with integrity, that they become like Jesus. Third relationship habit, are you patient with the progress of the people in your life? Or do you demand perfection? It's never good enough. I have to worry this one. Oh, I'm so difficult on this one because kids, I think any parent who has teenagers struggles with this one. <laughs> The people have to be perfect for you to enjoy them, and you're never going to enjoy them. And this is big for me in my relationship with them. I have to give them time to grow and learn, and I can't expect perfection. We have to remember how much Jesus loves us while we were or are young and growing and immature. I still am all those things. I have to realize that Jesus loves me unconditionally. And i got to use that in my relationship with my kids. And four, who do you need to start loving from the heart rather than from the head? Well, 
That finishes up our four happiness habits and relationships. And I hope this encouraged you and gave you some practical wisdom to grow your relationships of people that God has placed around you better than you could ever have thought possible. So God bless, and I'll see you in the next pod.